Hi, I'm Jason, and it's a joy to be with you today. Anybody seen the movie Inside Out? Yeah, his uh, favorite character from that movie has to be Joy. She's just so fun to be around. And we're going to be talking this morning about celebration, talking about entering into the joy of the Lord and having a heart of thanksgiving. Let's see if I can do this right. Am I doing that? Oh, it says I'm not connected. What do I got to do to connect? Jeremy's going to help me. Oh, do to do. <sighs> joy, joy, joy. Um, so, how's it going? Doing good? Okay. <laughs> so, this church has uh, some values that are brewing that, um, let's see if I can, there we go. Oh, this might be overkill. Whoa, I'm taking a picture of you. That was weird. Okay. Okay, so, uh, did that work? Yes. Okay, so this church has um, some values that are building through Jeremy's kind of uh, heart and prayer life and conversations with the community and a sense of where God is taking us. And Jeremy's shared the story sometimes, maybe you remember it, um, of how God really impressed on him these three images of a fountain, of an arrow, and a bridge. And how that was really speaking of God communicating what this church is really aiming to be about. And by fountain, it speaks of his presence. Uh, Jeremiah 2.13, um, God says, My people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And then they've hewn cisterns, broken cisterns that can't contain the water. So it's, it's kind of a metaphor. God's always speaking metaphors, but it's a picture of going after those things that don't satisfy, that don't fill us up, when all the time we have this fountain of living water that wants to just be, uh, you know, Jesus says, come to me, you who are thirsty, and drink, and streams of living water will flow. from within you. It's a great, great exchange. We take a drink and we get a river flowing out of us. It's a river of rejuvenation. It's a river of his presence. It's a river of revelation. It's a river of creativity. It's a, it's a river, river of his power. We can do what we can't do in our own strength. And so um, under this banner of fountain, Speaking of a, a place, we want to be a people that value his presence, that cultivate his presence, not just on Sunday morning, but throughout the week. And, um, and so one of the things that helps with that is a daily pursuit, that you would seek Jesus in the morning or at night if you're a night owl, whatever, throughout the day, that we have a personal pursuit of Jesus, Bible open, prayer life, lines communicating, and we're listening and we're interacting with our creator. And then we have this value of aligning. Uh, it's like Psalm 133 says, 
How blessed it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And Jesus talks about the power of agreement. And when we come into that place, there's real power that happens. And today, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go through and try to unpack all of those. Um, I think this is like a preview of a thing that's coming out. Might get some tweaks here and there. But um, I'm going to be talking about celebration and what that means. Intentionally creating spaces for joy and creativity and gratitude in our lives. And I know that may seem like, okay, do those all connect? I think they do. Let's see. Am I going to the next slide here? There's this verse that as you walk up the, as you walk up the stairs, I love this verse. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It's right there on the wall back there when you go to get your water and your coffee at the top of the stairs. It says this. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Now, that is, I'm like, anytime you, like, the Bible takes the time to, like, state that this is the will of God for you, you should pay attention. And I know when we hear that, we, some of us immediately feel indicted, like we fall far short because, I know, sometimes I wake up on the grumpy side of the bed. How many in the room can identify? Or you show up to church and everyone's happy, clappy, and you're just like, I can't put on the plastic Jesus smile today. I'm going through a hard time. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen, you know? Like, we, life is hard. Jesus, you know, one of the verses you never put on your your, uh, fridge, but it's a promise from Jesus. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. (laughs) So life is hard, and God gets it, and Jesus acknowledged it. But even in the midst of all that, we are exhorted to be joyful always. How do we do that? To give thanks in all circumstances. How do we do that? And to pray without ceasing. And all of these things build on each other and help usher us into joy. I'm going to talk um, first about joy. I love the word joy. Jesus others you. That's a nice little acronym you can remember. You get Jesus Uh, As your primary focus, he is the source of joy. He is the glad God. It says in Psalm, I know there's a lot of verses on here, and uh, I may overwhelm you. You can write these down. I'm going to try to rattle them off from my head if I can get them right and not butcher them too bad. But um, Jesus is the true source of joy. And when we get the order wrong and we make it all about ourselves, we, uh, it's not as satisfying. Is it? Uh, You know, John Piper here says, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. And Jesus, according to Psalm 45, verse 7, Jesus is, because it says, it's an interesting psalm all about Jesus coming back on a horse, girding his sword. Um, And it says, because you love righteousness and hate wickedness, God has anointed you with the oil of gladness, or one version says the oil of joy, far above all your companions. So according to that verse, if it truly is about Jesus, and I'm convinced it is, Jesus is the most joyful being in the universe because he loves what God loves and he hates what God hates. Now, I know that sounds weird to like hate wickedness, but if if, you know, horrible things are happening to people, we ought not to love that. We ought to, you know, but, but because Jesus sees the beginning from the end, he knows where this thing is going, and then he has a plan to deal with all the injustices, all the oppression, all the things. 
He can have joy. He is the glad God. He's in a good mood. Um, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Now, Paul is writing this from a prison cell, chained to a wall in like a dungeon with rats probably nibbling on his toes. And in this little chapter, you know, uh, book that has four chapters, it's a small little book, the book of Philippians, he talks about joy and rejoicing some like 14 to 17 times, depending on how you splice it. Like, the dude's got serious joy, and his circumstances don't dictate that he should have that joy. Now, where is he getting that? He's getting it because he is addicted to the presence of Jesus. Uh, Romans 14, 17 says, the kingdom of God's not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So joy is like a third of what the whole Christian life's about. <laughs> we should be the most joyful people on the planet. Because, you know, um, Zephaniah 3.17 says that God rejoices over you with singing. He delights in you. Some of us are grumpy because we assume that God's like grumpy like the way I can be when my kids like are a little bit out of line and I get grumpy and then I have to repent and apologize. And because I am prone to grumpiness and some of our parents were prone to grumpiness, we assume God is grumpy. But he's the God that rejoices over you with singing. He delights in you. So we, we get our eyes on Jesus, the source of joy. And then we get our eyes on others. If God rejoices over you, guess what? He rejoices over her and over him and over every, everybody who's put their trust in him. He, he has great joy and zeal over them. And so if God feels that way about them, I should feel that way about them too. And Paul is so mature, he, he's always talking like this, but he says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, he goes, are you not our joy and our crown?" You are the thing that we are rejoicing. The people that he was writing to, the Thessalonians, were his joy because he was just cheerleading them on, stoked that they were making progress in their faith. And if we get that heart that isn't just consumed with our own needs and unsatisfied with our own wants not getting fulfilled, and we, we start taking delight in the one next to us that's made in God's image, that's filled with God's spirit, then joy just begins to bubble over. And, you know, Jesus in Hebrews 12, we're told that he endured the cross, scorning its shame for the joy set before him. Guess what that joy was? You. I mean, yeah, he got to go back to heaven where it wasn't so rough and people weren't trying to kill him. Like that, that, I'm sure that was a joy to think about. But he was most excited that you and I would get redeemed and renewed and that his righteousness would get put on us and we're going to live for billions of years, stepping deeper and deeper into the glory and to the presence and to the joy of the Lord. And so, you know, it says, uh, Psalm 34, verse 8, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. So we can be like motivated selfishly like, hey, if I just delight in the Lord, he'll grant me these desires. Here's the kicker though. He's going to change your desires <laughs> as you start to enjoy him and realize what grieves him, what quenches him, and what you know, causes him to like lift a little bit of his manifest presence. You're like, ooh, I just want to, I, I want to, I'll go back to that place where I was delighting in you. And then you get these desires in your heart. Like you want to see your neighbor saved. 
You want to see God glorified through something you create with him. And he begins to say, I'm going to do that because I love your heart. I've given you those desires. In John 16, 24, Jesus says, um, until this point, you haven't asked anything. Ask whatever you want, and my Father will do it. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. So we experience joy just by delighting in the Lord, realizing he's delighting in you. We uh, start to pray, and he answers our prayer, and then that fills us with joy again. So it's just like like vicious cycle. We, we enjoy the Lord, and then he answers our prayer, and then we get even more joy, and he's just about exponentially catapulting us into greater and greater measures of joy if we would allow him. And we would see the lie of what the culture is offering, what the devil's offering, what the flesh is offering, and go, no, that's a broken cistern. I want the real thing. I want the abundant life. I want the true source of living waters flowing through me. And if you feel like, hey, I've tried all that, and I still am like bumming, still got this heavy cloud, this yoke of heaviness, I can't seem to enter in, guess what? You can ask for it. Romans 15, 13, Paul says, I, I, uh, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So like, if you're lacking joy in your life, you can just ask him for more. And he, that's a prayer that he wants to answer. I mean, that prayer is prayed by a pretty mature man of God. It's like in the Bible, so it's inspired word of God. So he wants to answer a prayer for more joy. So ask him for it. Okay, we, uh, hearing God's voice brings joy. If, um, you know, we think of, oops, um, John the Baptist, some people imagine him as this grumpy guy that was wagging his finger at everybody, but all the sinners flocked to him out in the wilderness. You know, this dude in camel hair with his diet of bugs and honey, and um, people were drawn to this man. I think he looked a little bit more like joy from inside out than anything else, but he said this interesting thing. He said, the bridegroom belongs to the the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. He had so much joy because he heard the voice of his beloved. Friends, if you want to tap into joy, dial down in your prayer life a little bit and wait on him a little bit. Ask him a question and then listen. Maybe have your Bible open. Maybe have your journal out. And see what impression he puts on you. What if we became a community that not only heard for ourselves, but we heard for each other. And when you were struggling to believe that you heard from God this morning in your prayer time, I came along and I prayed for you and I quoted the thing that God spoke to you this morning. And you're like, Whoa, God sees me. He knows me. He loves me. He's for me. He's not against me. He's really in this thing. When you hear the voice of God, it creates joy. It's like not just a, you know, like a religious thing or some bunch of information you memorized or academic experience. It's a real vibrant relationship when the creator of the universe speaks to you. Oh, oh. Oh, it's good. Now, that requires that you have a little understanding of his character and his nature because he's not grumpy, right? He delights in you. So when he speaks, he's not like, you jerkball. He's like, my beloved, the apple of my eye. You know, he's really into us. Okay, so um, we uh, get joy by hearing his voice. And by the way, John the Baptist was 
called the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. So you become a voice to your generation when you hear a voice. When you hear his voice, you can actually speak words that will move and impact your peers. Um, but not only from hearing his voice do we get joy, but we obey his voice and we get joy. Jesus said this in John 15, as the father loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love just as I kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Now, here's the kicker of why he's telling us all this. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. God is just a joy junkie. He just wants us to have a flipping good time all the time. He's like, okay, here's the, here's the thing. That thing you're doing, that's just killing your joy. That's just robbing you of a good experience. Here, come over here. Do this thing that I'm asking you. And my commands are like, love one another. <laughs> if we could do that, then we enter into, here's the thing. He says, my joy will be in you. Sometimes you don't feel like you have the joy, but Jesus has a lot of joy, right? We established that. And the joy of the Lord, not the joy of Jason is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So he puts his joy in you and you're like, dude, this is a good thing. So just a little you know, freebie, if you want to experience more joy, maybe obey his word. Okay, next one. Um, his presence brings joy. Look at this psalm, Psalm 1611. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Who's at the right hand of the Father? He's the most joyous being ever, right? So in his presence is the fullness of joy. So you know, we are not experiencing the fullness of his presence yet. When he makes all things new and we have our redeemed bodies, it's unending joy that just keeps crescendoing. I mean, come on. But here's the cool thing. We don't have to wait till we croak. We don't have to wait till we die to experience this. We can enter his presence now. And, and we can remove the things that quench his spirit and remove his presence to some measure. And we can give ourselves over to the things that help manifest his presence more. Uh, I like what C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. I mean, they're rejoicing all the time in heaven. Anytime a sinner repents, there's a party going on. They rejoice, it says, over and over in Luke 15. Like, that is what's going on up there. How do we get more and more into his presence? Ties to our other theme, Thanksgiving. Uh, I like what C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. I mean, they're rejoicing all the time in heaven. Anytime a sinner repents, there's a party going on. They rejoice, it says, over and over in Luke 15. Like, that is what's going on up there. How do we get more and more into his presence? Ties to our other theme, Thanksgiving. We enter his, whoops. Oh, did I? Oh, I, f I forgot to, whoa, sorry, guys. I got two t iPads. It's confusing me. Um, we, uh, we enter his presence with joy. Did you, is this the first time you're seeing this? Oh, sorry, linger there. I drew that guy. Um, anyway, um, so we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. We give thanks to him and praise his name. Psalm 100. If you want to experience more of his presence, get off the complaining thing so much and get on to the thanking thing. Get on to the gratitude thing. Get on to recalling and reminding yourself of the goodness of God in the past 
And what he's doing in your present, a, a recipe for continual encouragement is not to get hung up on what he hasn't done, but thank him for what he has done and what he is doing. And that's a recipe for continual encouragement and joy. And David, you know, David enlisted 4,000 musicians, 288 singers, and they thanked the Lord around the clock. You can read about it in First Chronicle 23. Or Jehoshaphat, he was like, dude, we got an army crashing in. Tell you what. The Lord said he's going to fight this battle. Let's put the singers out front. And they sang the one-hit wonder of their day, of all the generations. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they sang this song of gratitude, boom, the Lord set ambushes against their enemies. Like, there's power in our gratitude. There is power in our thanksgiving. And Hezekiah, you know, he... He put out uh, Thanksgiving choirs. So did Nehemiah. You can read about it in Nehemiah 12. They're like, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a Thanksgiver. I'm on the Thanksgiving choir. And they had two of them on either side of the wall after they built it. And they just sang thanks in the morning and at night. And they just thanked the Lord around the clock. It's, if you want God's presence, then you'll take this you know, seriously, you say, hey, we're going to get into the place of gratitude. And Daniel, you know, he goes to the lion's den. Why? Because he had this habit of thanking the Lord three times a day. So, you know, you can do that over a meal. You can do that by uh, carving out five minutes over here, over there. But there's a dude named um, Brother Lawrence. There's a little book called Practicing the Presence of God. And it, they described this guy like he was this monk that wanted to just practice God's presence. And then they threw him into the kitchen like for eight hours a day. And he was like, how am I going to experience the presence of God here? And he just would talk about pausing whatever he was doing, even if he was reading the Bible or if he was, you know, making an omelet or whatever he was doing, he would stop and thank and praise God for his blessings, for his goodness, what he did on the cross. And they described this man that he just radiated, like he had like a glowing countenance all the time. And if you want people to see the presence of the Lord and the countenance of the Lord on you, if we get into a place of just constantly reminding ourselves to thank and praise him. Psalm 136, Psalm 107, great psalms to just get it beat into your spirit about the power of thanksgiving. But here's the deal. Like I said, in this world you'll have troubles. Life is hard. It's not always easy. What do we do when a loved one dies, when we lose the job, when the health is failing? What do we do when we haven't seen the breakthrough? What do we do when our brothers are pushing our buttons? What do we do <laughs> when life is difficult? And look at what James says. This is crazy talk, guys. He says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Woohoo! I just got fired. Let's throw a joy party. Woohoo! I'm going to jail. Let's, let's rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> I mean, that might not be your initial response, but James wants us to get into this space. It's a paradox. It makes no sense, right? But because, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must do its work to bring you to a place of maturity. And Romans 5, uh, Paul says it this way. Uh, he's saying we can rejoice in the glory of God, but we can also rejoice in our sufferings knowing this. Sorry, I'm not on that. Keep doing that. I'm putting this away. Okay. Um, he, he says um, 
Rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. I had, I don't know if I've already shared this story before. I share it all the time. Um, but when I was in college, freshly came to the Lord. I was complaining to my roommate, who's a pastor now for CTK. And I was saying, Derek, life sucks, man. I don't have a girlfriend. I got this swallowing problem from my health issues in high school where I look like a pigeon while I'm trying to eat. And um, all these kind of things that were going wrong, I could just, I listed a bunch of things. And he stopped me and he says, have you ever thought to like thank God for your trials? I was like, dude, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> like, why would I thank him for these trials? That makes no sense. But I was just tired of hearing myself complain. You ever been there? You're like, dude, would I shut up already? And I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a try. So I closed my door. I get on my knees because I was going to do it right. And I was praying to God, and I started thanking him for all these things. I said, God, thank you that I have a swelling problem and I look like a pigeon when I eat. Thank you that I don't have a girlfriend. Thank you that my mom was an alcoholic and blah, blah, blah. My parents are divorced and it's heavy. And thank you that this, and as I was going down the list, I was kind of tongue-in-cheek at first. I was like, yeah, thank you, you know. But then it dawned on me, like, why? I thought of this verse in Romans 5. So suffering produces perseverance, produces character, produces hope. Hope doesn't disappoint because God pours love into my heart. Why do you want me to have so much perseverance and character? <laughs> Unless you got really big plans for my life. You know, I'm like, I spent more time in the hospital than most, like, senior citizens. Like, what's that about, God? <laughs> I had five surgeries, had my whole large intestine removed. It's another story for another day. You can call me semicolon, but not for long because it's coming back. My large intestine is coming back. But I'm like, why am I going to do all this? What was me? And I realized that, man, God must have really big plans for my life. If he's allowed me to do this kind of suffering, build this kind of perseverance, to build this kind of character. And I was like, I just got the joy of the Lord in my bedroom all by myself. I fell over laughing. I couldn't stop, and it was just supernatural. I was like, I should not be having this fun of a time on this bat of a hair day. But I'm like, whoa! And I, I realized the secret that Paul talked about in Philippians 3 somewhere. I don't know. He says, I found the secret of contentment in all situations, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm like, bring it. Good times can come. I'm going to praise the Lord. The devil kicks me in the teeth. I'm going to praise him anyway. Ha, ha, devil. You're, you know, I got you. You like, you can't get me down. I got the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I can rejoice even in difficulty. So uh, some of you needed to hear that. Um, here's the deal. If you get bold enough for your faith that people start opposing you and attacking you and persecuting you and insulting you, guess what Jesus says? He says, um, you're blessed when that happens. When they hate you, they exclude you, insult you, reject you. Because of the Son of Man, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. <laughs> like leap in the air like this girl over here. Because great is your reward in heaven. That's how their ancestors treated the prophets. So we got to get some perspective. I know it seems like it's all about these 70 years or 80 years or 90 years that we're on the planet. But there is great reward. If you can keep an eternal mindset that you're enduring this but you're choosing to praise God anyway... He's like, oh, you just wait. It's going to be worth it. You may have given up some earthly treasure, but you're getting a whole lot of bling bling in the age to come. And it's not just like, oh, look at me. I'm strolling around in my whatever, you know, your Lexus. 
It's like, no, you get greater measures of proximity to the King of Kings. You get, you know, like, we're all saved by the blood and, and we're playing equal playing field. But the things that we do in this life will matter for eternity. There is an aroma, like why, okay, why did so-and-so die? Why did this or that happen? You may ask that question. You guys realize that we're in eternity, like praising him in unadulterated glory? Like, it's, com you can't help it. Like, oh, you're amazing, you're world, Mufasa. You know, you're like, you, you can't, but here, there's this veil. We can't see him. We can't totally feel him. We're not sure he's even really still there, but we're going to trust him anyway. We're going to praise him, and I just lost my job, and my loved one died, and I'm going to praise him anyway. I don't mean to make light of those things. Those things are real. But when we get that posture and we thank him and praise him anyway, it's an aroma that you'll never be able to offer in the age to come. It's an offering that we can give God now that moves him so much, and he's going to reward you for eternity for choosing that right perspective and posture. Um, there's a guy named Bob Hartley who uh, had a, he's a big guy, talks about hope a lot, and uh, he's had some crazy encounters with the Lord. He had this dream where he saw these people that were trying to bring transformation to the different mountains of society. This one felt called to the media mountain, and this one felt called to the education realm, and this one felt called to the government, and they were woefully inadequate for three reasons, and there was three solutions, three golden keys to help them uh, get back into the place of impact. And they, one had these Coke bottle glasses on. They had these big, heavy-duty glasses, and they needed to rip those glasses off so that they could see God correctly and get a right view of God. And the golden key to get into that place of seeing God correctly was adoring him through his names, taking a different name of God and meditating on it and uh, clinging to it and believing that that name was true, even though your circumstances seem to suggest otherwise. And you get victory in your life when you know who God is for you. Then they had these antiquated hearing aids, and all they could hear was the lies of the enemy, the accusations, the, the, the statements like, you'll never do anything good. You, you, you're in this predicament because you're a lost cause. You're hopeless. Nobody loves you. All these things that we battle with, am I enough, blah, 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 blah. You need to rip that stuff out so you can hear the love song of the Father that rejoices over you with singing and hear what he's saying about you. And so the golden key is to ask the right hope-filled questions of God. Now, there's questions we can ask, but they're just, you know, leading questions like, why do you hate me so much? Well, that's a bad question. <laughs> he doesn't hate you so much. No, why do you delight in me so much? I dare you this week, the homework assignment, ask God that question. Why do you delight in me so much? And see what he says. What are the hopeful plans you have for me in this next season? What is the name you want me to meditate upon in this current season of my life? If you do that and you wait on the Lord until he speaks, he will reveal uh, mind-blowing things to you. I think I got time to tell this story. How are we doing? Doing good? No? Wrap it up? Yeah? Okay. I'm going to spare you that story, but there's a lot of fun stories about... Uh, oh, and then the, the other thing is applauding. Um, so they were, they were going up to these mountains and they didn't have body armor on. Now, we think of body armor, we think of Ephesians 6, the, you know, the helmet of salvation, all that. But in this dream, it was more about the body of Christ wasn't around these ones. They were trying to go as Lone Ranger Christians to have impact, but they were getting taken out by the enemy. And so 
Hebrews uh, 13 says, uh, somewhere in there, <laughs> Hebrews 10, um, don't neglect meeting together, but encourage one another daily as you see the day approaching. We need the encouragement that comes from our brothers and sisters. We need to hear from each other about the good qualities they see in us because we all we hear are these lies from the enemy. And so if we take time to applaud our brothers and sisters and say, man, I just love the way that you show hospitality, that you open your doors. I love the way that you're so thankful. I love the way that you love on your kids or whatever, whatever, fill in the blank. Um, if we hear that kind of stuff, it fuels our uh, fire, and we can do incredible things. So we need the body of Christ rallying around us. Um, okay, so we're talking about being party seekers, celebrating. Um, you know, what, what makes a good party? There's some people there. There's uh, maybe some music. <laughs> maybe there's some food. Well, um, we can party in the Lord by having a meal and inviting people into that. And I, I just want to encourage us to be those people that both in the church and outside of the church, we invite people to fellowship with us. There's so much ministry that happens in the Gospels around the table, around the food, uh, the, the meal, you know. And, um, and so we can feast on God's presence. We can feast on enjoying one another. And it's really a, kind of segueing into our, our next topic. It's a way of being creative because some of you are great cooks. And it's an art form, the way you prepare food and show hospitality. The Bible says that we should uh, show hospitality to one another because by doing so, you might be entertaining angels without knowing it. Hebrews 13.2, that's a crazy verse. But um, P Paul, Peter says that um, the end of all things is near. So do what? Be sober-minded and pray. And then it says, love one another, for love covers over a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then it says, uh, if, if your gift is speaking, use that gift. If your gift is serving, if your gift is cooking, if whatever your gift is, do it to the glory of God. So um, we show thanksgiving for who God is and who he's made each other to be when we invite them into that intimate place of food and fellowship together. But um, another part of a, of a good party is the music, right? You got to have the soundtrack. I work at a Nerf gun, axe-throwing, dodgeball, video game arcade place. And it's really important that I have the, the soundtrack going on in the room or it just feels kind of dead, right? And so heaven, you go up there, there's only like a half hour recorded in all the Bible where that place is silent in Revelation 8. The rest of the time, it's like glorious praise and unceasing adoration and crazy sounds going on. But it says in Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit. Paul says that. Um, and then the result of that is that you'll sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. So one of the fruits of encountering God's presence is that we're just going to want to sing. We've just become a walking musical. And some of you sing off-key, and God still loves it. And some of you have incredible voices and incredible skills with the guitar or the bass or the drums. And God wants you to you know, like, pray about, hey, do you want me to use these gifts for your glory? It could be here on Sunday morning. If, you know, that, you know, the Lord leads that way and there's agreement and everybody and it's the right thing. Or it could be that you do it out there at the open mic night, whatever. But um, God wants us to get creative in the ways that we enjoy him. I love Psalm 45. It says, my heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. So when you make a song or a novel or a blog post 
or a whatever, YouTube channel episode, you do that not just for the audience out there, but you do it before the audience of one. To move, if you can move the heart of heaven, you can move the hearts of men and women. And so God wants to have us uh, celebrate him and, and use those talents that he's given us. You know, David danced mightily before the Lord, and he was like, his wife thought he was being a little cray-cray. And uh, he says, I am going to become even more indignified than this. And there's many psalms that, you know, exhort us to dance before the Lord. And it's like, you know, Footloose. Yeah, anybody seen that movie? <laughs> the, the little religious community. I think the movie's about Lyndon. Anyway, but they, <laughs> Kevin Bacon, you know, he's like, no, he starts quoting the Bible. And like, well, we should do this before the Lord. And some of you are gifted in that. And we saw a little bit. We see it sometimes in the back. We see it up front here. Maybe your thing is flags. I don't do the flag thing. I love the flag thing. You're awesome. But, um, but yeah, there are places on Sunday morning where you can celebrate the Lord in that way. Um, there's a couple of Christian dance studios in the area. There's one called Dancing for Joy, um, and they're down in Bellingham. They're also in Linden. There's another one called Upper Room Dance in Everson. Um, if that's your thing, like, find a way to express that and develop that because it brings glory to God when we're creative. Because God is, guess what? He's creative. He kind of has that Genesis 1 thing on his resume. He spoke and created everything. And guess what? That God lives inside of you. Therefore, we should be the most creative people on the planet. Now, I don't mean to say this to condemn or shame you. We all have different ways of expressing our creativity. I love what Albert Einstein said. He said, imagination is more important than knowledge. You can maybe dream up a new way to do kids' ministry. You could maybe dream up a new business that's going to create kingdom finances that will fund the missions movement. You, God can give us creative ideas. You know, James 1 says, ask for wisdom. He will grant it generously to all without finding fault. And so um, he's able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Are you imagining? Are you dreaming with God? He wants to have you tap into his creativity. I love this quote by Butch Hartman. He says, art gives you power. Use it wisely. So much art out there is demonic and trying to groom our children into horrible uh, ideas of what life is about. And um, God wants the people of God to raise up and be creative. I love, we were talking this morning with Leah, um, uh, the chosen is an amazing creative expression of the gospels that that's God's breathing on. And I believe he's going to do that more and more with the creatives. Um, I like what um, Francis Schaeffer says here. He who loses the arts loses the culture. And that's one of the ways the enemy has so corrupted this generation is by pumping those values through the Netflix shows and the movies that we watch. And, um, but I believe that God wants to raise up people who will uh, outshine Hollywood in the way that we express the creativity of the creator that's in us. And, you know, um, Exodus 31 is the, one of the first references to somebody being filled with the Holy Spirit in the Bible. I think it's in, there's another reference in Exodus 28 where some artisans were filled with the Spirit. So when the Spirit fills you, it might, you know, make you like Samson to be super strong. It might make you like Solomon to be super wise. It might make you like Bezalel and this other dude named Oholiab. I don't have him up here. I was just trying to give you a snippet of this. But it's, the Lord says to Moses, see, I've chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, which means praise. 
And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, bronze. So they were making all the stuff. God wanted his place where people would come and experience his presence to be mind-dazzlingly beautiful. And so we found some ones that he filled with his spirit and gave them skill and understanding and wisdom to make beautiful things to help people encounter his presence. And some of you, when you, uh, just the way you choose to dress (laughs) is a creative act and an expression of artistic whatever. You know, not everyone's called to be an artist, but it's interesting that creativity is clearly like a fruit and a gift of the spirit. And it comes with wisdom. So God wants to give us wisdom and how to do things that glorify him. Um, that verse that we started with, so I drew this five years ago. It's kind of a trippy drawing, but um, the, the pray continually, like that verse can mean all three of these points because pray continually, another way of saying that is draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So when I, <laughs> prayer itself is a creative act because we're partnering and co-creating with God, but, but art can be a prayer when you do it with a heart of worship. And so I imagine myself sitting on the Father's throne, drawing on my little pad while he's painting on the earth, and all the animals are just having fun. Okay, we're going to move on. Um, I'm not going to belabor this. We're almost wrapping up here. Um, But I, uh, yeah, I've been an artist for a long time, and uh, the Lord led me in a season of my life to work with YWAM and with a ministry called Create International, it's a ministry that is focused on creating um, media that would tell the gospel to unreached people groups in their heart language. So there's movies, there's animated films, and then I started uh, running these comic book schools where we created comic books. So we created one for Mongolia called A Prisoner of Hope. We created one for India. Um, I've got a movie maker friend that wants me to design a comic book for his movie that explores the supernatural but from a kingdom perspective. And it's called Even the Darkness. And so I've got some pages from uh, a comic book I'm working on. Uh, I don't mean to say, like, look at me. Uh, you know, I'm just saying, pray for me. That I would, like, figure out and hear from the Lord the projects he wants me to work on. And to get the right people around so that we can glorify him with the gifts that he's given. Um, if you want to see more of my art, uh, jhkart.com. I got uh, some of my illustrations on there. Um, I do different things. I do some logo design. Uh, I got to draw at the caricatures at the fair this summer, at the Linden Fair, and some of you made it on there. Uh, I got to draw people from this church, and it was real fun. Um, but yeah, uh, that's just something I do, and it's not the only way to be creative. Don't like feel like you're counted out if you're not a drawer. Um, but find that thing that is your expression. Maybe it's engineering. Maybe it's mothering. Maybe it's bus driving. There's creative ways to be a fun bus driver. Um, <laughs> Uh, besides the comic book thing, um, I've been working on some writing. I mentioned this last January. Um, and these books on hope, faith, and love have inspired me to start a a podcast. So I do a weekly podcast on YouTube and eventually I'll figure out how to get the audio up on other platforms. I think I already know. I just been lazy, but, um, yeah, so that's a creative expression and you have access to the, to the YouTubes and you could do something like that if that is something that interests you. Um, but God's going to use people that are not just hoarding their talents, but using them for his purposes and his glory. You can um, also find uh, that podcast at theaccelerantpodcast.com. Um, 
this publishing, uh, I'm going to self-publish, and I'm calling my company Carencia Publishing. Now, I'm not Hispanic. Why would I choose this name? Um, when I was a senior in high school, I was asked to write a paper about this word Carencia. And uh, the word Carencia in Spanish means a place, uh, like a second home, a place where you feel most at home at. And so my parents were going through a separation, and I had just moved, and nowhere felt like home. And so I wrote this paper, and I said, at 2 in the morning, I get woken up, and I just have to write poetry or draw. It's just something that comes on me, and I, I never get to predict when it comes. But when that inspiration comes, I feel at home when I'm creating, whether through words or through pictures. And this paper, like, the teacher loved it, and she, like, made a big deal in front of the whole class about it. And um, sometime later, uh, I had a man praying for me, and he was asking the Lord what my mansion in heaven looked like. And he said, I would have thought it would have been like a log cabin because you're from the Northwest, but it was like this Spanish home overlooking the, the waters and had those, like, Spanish arches, you know. And so I think that God's going to give me a mansion that looks like that because he knows that I feel at home in the place of creativity, of writing and drawing, and I get to do that forever. You know, if I don't get all my dreams and projects done this side of eternity, I get billions of years to work on making cool projects for the Lord. And it's just fun right now. We moved into a house in Linden and uh, it has these arches too. And it's like, we didn't plan that. That was fun. Um, okay, I'm going to wrap this. I'm bringing this home. Final story I'm sharing. Um, so just to bring it back to Thanksgiving and entering the joy of the Lord and experiencing God's breakthrough and promises you've been believing for, um, I had a dream one time and I saw the 12 spies that were supposed to go into the promised land and survey and see if it was a good land. Ten people came back with a bad report. They were like, dude, there's giants in there. It's freaky. We're not going to make it. Uh, it's hopeless. And then two guys, Joshua and Caleb, came back with a good report. And they're like, guys, God promised us this land. It's amazing. Like, so great. We're going we're gonna to love it. And those were the only two from that generation that got to enter into the promises of God, into the promised land. And... At, at the end of the dream, I saw one of them, Joshua or Caleb, I don't know if they had spyglasses in the Old Testament times, but lifts up this spyglass and looks into the promised land. And I woke up and I heard this phrase, coriander spyglass. And I was like, that is so random. What does that mean? I don't even know what coriander is. I think it's a cooking thing. I don't know. And so I decided to look in the Bible if there was any references to coriander, and there were, and there were two of them, and they were both about the manna from heaven that God provided, and that likened them to coriander seed. One was like in Numbers 11, and one was in like Exodus 16. I don't know. I could have those wrong, but I was like, whoa, and I had this understanding that they were able to see and enter into the promises because they remembered the faithfulness of God. In the difficult wilderness season, he provided manna. He was their provider. He parted the Red Sea. He led them by a pillar of fire. He did all these things. And if we want to step into the fullness of what God has for us, the fullness of joy, fullness of your purpose and destiny, then we would do well to remember his goodness and his faithfulness and thank him for who he is. Thank him for what he's done. Thank him for what he's doing and trust that he will bring us into the fullness of our destiny as we remind ourselves we adore him through that name, faithful and true, and we enter into the joy of the Lord. So with that, I'm going to close in prayer. 
Um, if you're here this morning and you, man, you feel like you're struggling with the joy of the Lord, I just want to pray for you that the, the joyous one, the most joyful being in the universe, would make his joy manifest in your hearts. And maybe it's through more time listening for his voice. Maybe it's through more time thanking him and praising him. Maybe it's through more time just doing what the Bible has shown you to do. But he wants you to enter into joy. Secondly, if you're here and you're struggling with gratitude, it's very related to the joy thing. But uh, you just want to cease complaining and you want to enter into having a grateful heart. And I want to pray for you. And if you're here and you're like, I want to step into praising the Lord through creativity. Whether it's in this community on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or it's out there in Whatcom County with your career and your calling, I just want to pray for you. So you guys can, can we invite the worship team up? All right. So come on up, worship team. <laughs> Sorry, am I long-winded? We're good. I don't know. I always thought we ended at 1230. No? Am I supposed to be done earlier? I went long. Lost track of time. Forgive me. Okay. So, um, yeah, let's just, let's just stand before the Lord and posture our hearts. Jesus, I just lift up anyone in this room that's been struggling with depression, struggling with heaviness, struggling with frustration over the circumstances of their lives. God, would you anoint them with joy? Cause joy to manifest in their hearts. Give them ears to hear and eyes to see you rejoicing over them and delighting in each one of us. Truly, God, you delight in your people. And I pray that wouldn't just be a, a theological concept, but an experienced reality for everyone in this room, but especially those ones battling most with that spirit of despair and heaviness. God, Grant us grace to rejoice in you. Revival, the definition of revival. Psalm 85, verse 6 or 7. Revive us, O God, that we might rejoice in you again. So God, would you revive our hearts? And we ask for more of the joy of the Lord. We ask for grace to see the blessings, even the silver linings in the clouds of challenges and trials. Give us that grace to thank you and have that heavenly perspective to even leap for joy when we're being mistreated. And God, for those ones that uh, have gifts and talents and they want to use them for your glory, show them how to express that in a way that most glorifies you, both in the community gathered and maybe on the internet, maybe in their careers, maybe just in their free time. God, you delight in that spirit of creativity because you dwell in us. You're the creator. You're the creative one. Make us creative and raise up creatives that outshine what Hollywood's doing. Raise up creatives that outshine what the most ingenious engineers that don't know Jesus are doing. Raise up creatives who find new ways of creatively disciplining their kids when they're at their wit's end and don't know how to raise little ones. God, I thank you that everything has an aspect where your creative spirit can come into play, and we just want to tap into that a little more. 
Make us the most joyful people, the most grateful people, and the most creative people the world has ever seen, that we might bless this city and bless you in that offering. Okay, this in Jesus' name.